This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, Wow, what a ride. Hunter S. Thompson. So I told him, hey, if we stay here and, and, and not move, we're just going to get cold. And so we got we to gotta keep moving. We got to move and move fast. And by this time, the trail was probably about four or five inches thick of ice of just, you know, and pretty much little streams, rivers going through the trail now. And I was like, we need to go now. And we just started running down the trail. Yeah, uh, from uh, from about 11,040 feet, whatever it was, all the way down to uh, the first crossing right before tree line. So what we estimated was about a mile, a little bit over a mile, mile, mile point two, ran down the mountain, just passing up PC tiers as a couple of them are just screaming, oh my God, oh my God. And we just running full speed. I said, if I turn an ankle, I don't care. I'm going. It, it was bad. And and my buddy's saying, praying. I'm just saying, oh, I got to pay tuition. I got to make it back. That was my motivating factor. So uh, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was crazy. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome. 
to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's content. This week's guest is an experienced hiker in the Sierras who has also logged some time in Utah. Welcome to the pod, Jose Zambrano. Hey, thanks, Doc. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And all your your, uh, travels on the trail, have you picked up a trail name? Uh, yes, I don't really use it a lot, but, uh, when I run into a JMT or PCT or that's when I use it, not with a, with day hikers or anything like that. You can kind of tell, but if it's a JMT or PCT or I definitely exchange that. Okay. Not at work or with your family? Uh, it's kind of weird, but, the that name kind of derives from my nickname. So okay. as you know, my name's Jose, but a lot of, uh, guys with the name Jose will use a surname Pepe as their nickname so it kind of derives from that okay is that how it was given to you on the trail someone knew your name was jose and just went with pepe well you know i i referenced myself as um uh a friend of mine invited me to go up uh doing the ray lake soup with his father and uh his dad's pretty experienced backpacker backpacker it was my first backpacking experience uh but my friend told told his father this is this is jose but call him pepe he prefers pepe because everybody's name's jose uh-huh. So he's like, just call him Pepe. And then uh, he gave me the trail name two days later near uh, Glen Pass. Uh, he gave me the trail name of Pepe Le Pew because uh, of uh, um, not the best way, but I, first first time kind of backpacking, but I wore cotton socks, oh. uh, soccer socks, uh-huh. cotton soccer Adidas socks and uh, was not a great smell. OK, so there came the name Pepe Le Pew. Pepe Le Pew. Was it ever shortened to just uh, Le Pew or Pew? Uh, no, just kept Pepe Le Pew because it's my name. And also it kind of uh, makes sense for why they gave it to me. So when I tell people, they're like, oh, that's your nickname. But then I tell them why it's Le Pew and they're like, oh, OK, yeah, that would not work. Cotton in the outdoors is not a good thing. OK, well, for the for the the sake of the podcast, you know, we go by trail names. I think I might just shorten it to Pepe, if that's OK. Oh, that's fine. You can call me Pepe. OK. Most- yeah all right very good hey pepe have you uh, listened to the podcast before definitely i've caught uh, a couple of podcasts interesting ones yeah this particular podcast though the john from your pod oh yeah i yeah. maybe caught like four or five okay yeah, yeah. Very good. I asked because we have a regular segment called the Pro Tip Inside of the Week, and that's a segment towards the end of the episode where I will turn to you and say, Pepe, what is uh, what, what kind of uh, wisdom or insight do you have for our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better? So don't be surprised when we get there. Awesome. Okay. Hey, another feature we've been doing this season is the Must Bring Gear Review, sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Outdoor Vitals. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Pepe, what is your must bring piece of gear? Uh, I've listened to your podcast uh, about five times and I always hear people reference what they would bring. A lot of it's 
uh, creature comfort things. But in my case, uh, I'd probably do some survival uh, thing, especially because based off of what happened to me last time. But I'd probably look for a DCF backpack. Okay, what kind of backpack? Uh, backpack that's uh, DCF, so pretty much almost waterproof backpack. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah like in my case, I have the Hyperlite Mountain Gear, the mm -hmm. Wind Rider. Mm -hmm. uh, so that one is uh, uh, in the storm I was caught in. Uh, it, everything was pretty much dry inside. Didn't have to really work about. Yeah, I didn't really have to. Uh, a buddy of mine had a different backpack and he had a different outcome with his gear getting wet and uh my stuff uh my gear stayed stayed pretty tight yeah mm -hmm. i was yeah and i was you know here when i purchased the item um uh let me, let me try to sell you it's kind of you know, think is it gimmicky or not and you're paying a high dollar value for a, a lightweight a lightweight uh no frame backpack it just has aluminum stays in it but there's no no aluminum frame in there at all it's lightweight um it doesn't even weigh, I barely think it weighs two pounds in a 55 liter backpack, but it kept everything dry and saved my butt out there. Very good. Now I know that some, some folks will have, um, covers for their rain covers for their backpacks, or they'll, they'll, uh, include a, a, like a hefty trash bag where they'll pack all of their stuff into a tra hefty trash bag and then put that inside the backpack yeah. as kind of a insulation against the rain. But with, with this particular style of backpack you're talking about, you don't have to worry about that. Not really. Um, there are some areas I know where they're not, uh, they say they're seam sealed, uh, but it's more on the, um, on the shoulder straps, but I did notice a little bit of condensation there. Mm -hmm. This is like almost an hour of downpour and hail. And, uh, I barely, nothing was really wet, but also in my gear, it, I packed, um, it's pretty much Dyneema. I also pack with these, uh, Dyneema cubes, stuff, stuff, cube, stuff sacks, mm -hmm. lightweight, but they're also pretty much waterproof. So I have everything in those pods as well. Right. Very good. Now, what is your, your base weight on your, your trips in the Sierras? This last one that I did before water, uh, but I did carry a bear canister before water and food and no bear canister. I was in the 12 and a half. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Very good. And then it's probably another 12, uh, 12, 15 pounds when you, you load up the food in the water. Yeah, five days of food, uh, and then water. I knew of uh, this past this last trip I did. Uh, I knew there was it was what uh, late July, no early July, late yeah late July. So it was there was some water, so I wasn't too worried about water carries. So mm -hmm. I probably just did the most two liters at a time on water, mm -hmm. drinking one and having one in a bottle. Right now, you said late July. Was it late July or was it late no. June? Oh yeah, late June. Yes, late so June. late, late June. June. I went in on the twenty seventh and came mm -hmm. out on the second. Yeah, because if it was late July, I was going to ask if we crossed paths because I was out no, there. No, in, no. In yeah, late yeah July, it was. So. Yeah, so it was late, late June. Yeah, twenty seventh. Went in on twenty seventh. Came out the second. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. And what other kinds of gear do you have in your in your kit? Are you a tent guy, tarp guy, cowboy camp? What's your sleep system? Uh, I did bring a TVAC, the try to cowboy camp, but that wasn't working on the five days we we're out there. It was every day, uh, after two o'clock it rained. Wow. So, um, and thundered and mm -hmm. a little bit of hail. Uh, you would hope that you could get that second wind and let it go by, but that never happened. Usually it doesn't Sierra's two, three hours, maybe it'll go by, but six o'clock it was still coming down. And so that wasn't working. So the cowboy camping didn't work, but I did take a TVEC, um, ground sheet. I uh, hope, uh, but I am a tent guy. I do have a, a lightweight tent, two pound tent, a big Agnes, uh, Fly Creek Platinum. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. Great pant. So it's got a, uh, a rain fly, all that. And uh, I'm a tall guy. So uh, it, it fit perfect for me. I do need the two man tent. And uh, uh, lengthwise, it was great. Uh, headroom, sitting up. If you're over six four, I wouldn't recommend it, but mm-hmm. uh, lengthwise is great. But I didn't, I didn't intend on spending a lot of time in my tent, but unfortunately, I did. That's the way it works out sometimes, right? Yeah, you don't intend to stay in there, but it's, these four, four or five days were a little brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And how about you, you do the tarp sleeping bag? No, I do. Uh, I'm sorry, not tarp. Bag. I'm sorry, quilt, quilt or sleeping bag. Sorry. Yeah, my quilt is uh, a great little quilt. It worked for me. Twenty degree quilt. Um, uh, was it? I'm trying to remember the name of. Oh my God, I'm trying to forget the name of it. But it's a it's a twenty degree uh, twenty degree quilt. But it mm-hmm. worked great. Uh, it's uh, got a little damp at times, cause condensation. But uh, it has got that DWR coating on there, so mm-hmm. nothing really penetrated it. Uh, so it was uh, it held up really well. Yeah. Okay. And w- with your sleeping pad, is it a, is it a uh, foam pad or, or a blow up? I took half of a foam pad, um, for emergency situations as a case, it's always a backup. Uh, something will cover my shoulders all the way down to my torso, just in case the blow up, uh, doesn't work, but I do take, I did take a lightweight, uh, air mattress. Yes. Okay. Hey, I like that idea of, of taking a, a half of a, a foam pad as a, as a backup emergency, you know, in case, you know, you, you spring a hole in that, in that blow up pad, at least you've got something to, to lay down on your shoulder, the top half of your body anyway. Yeah. Your legs, you can elevate them on something. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, it served a dual purpose, many dual purposes, sitting pad, yeah. uh, a rest, uh, uh, I put it outside my tent so I can just like kneel out there and like pack my stuff together and, uh, so it's, it's, and also I use it as a, a windshield as well. When we're getting hit in that storm, the, my tent was a, a little off center. So the wind is just shooting up. So I put it on the outside of my tent flat, like a wall. Mm-hmm. So it worked perfect. Kept the, kept the elements out as well. So that thing served a great purpose. Yeah. That's great. When I was on Mineral King Loop earlier this summer with Bindi and Yahtzee, I was giving Yahtzee a tough time. I was calling him bougie because he had this, uh, special, uh, you know, uh, sitting pad. And, uh, you know, the, the half, the half foam pad, I mean, that would be a great use for that as well. Just, you know, when you're taking, taking a break and there's nothing but hard rocks around, I mean, break that thing yeah. out and have a little bit of comfort. And there's, and there's really no, um, it doesn't weigh anything, you know? So it was half, half the foam pad. And like I said, I was comfortable. So if my pad deflated, uh, I was comfortable with, uh, just, uh, you know, okay, I'm, I'm okay with having half my body on there and I'll be fine. As long as your torso and shoulders are off the ground, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Hey, let's, uh, let's back up a little bit before we get too far down the trail. Let's talk about, you know, how, how you got involved in the outdoor adventure experience. Let's talk about where you, where you grew up and if outdoor adventure was part of, part of uh, your family life growing up and, and when you first heard about backpacking. Uh, I grew up in the central Valley, California, uh, Fresno County area, a little town butted up against the foothills. Uh Pretty much as crow flies would be uh, Kings Canyon National Park. Highway 180 would be maybe about three miles from the farm I grew up on. And what's so, the name of the town? Uh, Reedley, California. Okay. Reedley. So that's about 25 miles southeast of Fresno. Um, but up, going up like pretty much uh, going up highway leads you highway 180. Going mm-hmm. That's the entrance to Kings Canyon National Park. Mm-hmm. And what, what is the elevation of the town? Do you know? Oh, it's not high at all. It's not, it's, we're just butted up against the foothills. So okay. it's like, we're not even on a foothill. We're probably maybe a couple hundred feet. That's it. Okay. So it's not too high up then. Okay. Got no. It. Yeah. 
but I grew up on a, I grew up on a, on a stone fruit farm. So just growing up, working outside my whole life with my, 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 my dad and my siblings and my sister. So just growing up on that, on that farm. So we're always outside. So we, we catch some great sunset sunrises in the Sierras there. You'd see them all the time, but you kind of took them for granted because our life at the time was just work, you know, but you're outside in the elements, you know, that everybody's in if they were backpacking, just not at the elevation. And where were you in the birth order? I was number three out of six. Okay. Three out of six. Wow. Yeah. Three okay. out of six. Yeah. You had to be quick at that dinner table. I had to be quick. Definitely be quick. And uh, I was the first boy, four girls and uh, two boys. Okay. Yeah. And have any of your siblings picked up the backpacking bug as well? Not backpacking, but day hiking. I have a sister. She lives in Montana and uh, she's she's really into the, the hiking out there. I, I might have mentioned on uh, to you earlier, I did do a little a little hiking out there in Montana and uh, ran into some surprises, which actually influenced what I do now. You know, so it's, it's pretty interesting. But she's in she's a date. She's a day hiker. She's not really meaning backpacking, but she she goes she goes to Glacier. She goes to uh, Yellowstone, the bitter. She's uh, near the Missoula area. So she's uh, you got the Bitterroot Range just south of there, Missoula, Montana. So you got some she's in the middle of everything there. And man, it is nice to have a family member in Montana. I mean, talk oh, I got, about, I got, talk about I got, beautiful country out there. Yeah, I got two sisters out there. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And before we talk about your experiences out in Montana, what, what do you do to pay the bills these days? I work for Costco. Okay. Yeah, I work for Costco. So I've been there. This is my 21st. Yeah, I'm going to my 21st year there at Costco now. Okay. Now I know that occasionally they'll have deals on uh, dehydrated meals. They have like 10 packs of meals. Do you ever take advantage of those as an employee, employee discount? Yeah, there's no employee discount, but uh, I have, I'm not big on dehydrated meals. I've given them all a try. There are some that um, uh, I've heard that are really, really good. I've tried them and I might start influence maybe start trying to get into them, but they don't sit well with me. Yeah. So like I've gone out there with them before, uh, but yeah, they, this doesn't feel good out there. <laughs> and my, and I don't have a picky, my, I can eat anything, but, uh, so I'm, I made, I make it easy. All right. Now. Well, now you, now you've intrigued me because I, now I need to know what you eat on the trail. What is your, what is your food plan out in the Sierras? So food plan, uh, what I did this last time was, uh, of course, the bars like everybody else. Um, protein shake in the morning. Uh, the breakfast, the breakfast uh, blend one in the morning. We just add water. Uh, that got me going in the morning. Electrolytes. Make sure I had a candy bar in the morning. As you know, calories are important. Uh, and this is the first time I tried these, but I did do the uh, I did do the the spam packets, uh, and I did do the um, the salmon packets as well. Uh, and I put those in a burrito form, take some flour tortillas with me, put in some, um, uh, put in some, uh, Frito chips in there and, uh, you can add peanut butter cause I did take some peanut butter and then just make like a, a burrito out of them out there. And that was uh, my lunch. Okay. How about dinner? Dinner was pretty easy. I take mashed potatoes. I did the, the ramen bombs. Uh, that's pretty easy cause you can't go wrong with the flavor there and they fill you up. Even if, um, you know, even if you do, you're still hungry, you're not going to feel it cause those fill you up. Uh, but I make, uh, just make sure, uh, I, I definitely need to get more bars with me because that's what, uh, that's what I think I was lacking more of. It wasn't, it was just, uh, to get me over passes and the bonking issues that people feel when they're out there. And, um, yeah. Right. And for the, for our listeners out there who may not be familiar with ramen bombs, that is 
that is ramen combined with mashed potatoes, correct? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty dense, thick stuff. Gonna stick it's to dense, your ribs. It'll, it'll fill you up and it'll put you to sleep if you're tired and uh, nothing like your former guest, uh, Billy Yang stuff. Like uh, he, he, he had some really good, uh, he had some good ideas. I might have to start incorporating. Yeah. Yeah, well, his was just the you know the flavor packets, right? He's bringing he's bringing these these different you know sriracha and yeah. uh, different sauce packets. That was you know, adding them the, the food reviews out there on the trail. That's why his name Bourdain. You know, his trail name was yeah, Bourdain. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, then, I need to start bringing those. And then you had protein for lunch with the salmon and the spam. Yeah, so no big bars. I did do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did have cinnamon rolls if I was feeling it in the morning. Uh, just like those hosted cinnamon rolls would be good for the morning. Get you going too, but I would just you get a little bit more vitamins out of the, the breakfast blend, uh, mm-hmm. shake. So I was going for that, trying to get, trying to get, feel a little good about it. And, uh, but those seemed to work for me. They were good in my stomach. So I had a lot of leftover, uh, a lot of leftover cinnamon rolls. I had like three leftover cinnamon rolls. Oh. I think only ate one. Oh man. That would, that would never happen with me. The cinnamon rolls would be the first to go. <laughs> yeah. I did. I did try something for the first time, which was those protein cookies that have no egg in them. I forgot what brand they were, but, uh, yeah, those didn't work out either. I think I might have ate half of one, and I brought six, and I did not eat them at all. Mm. Yeah, so wasted food. But, I, but that's what's important, too. Maybe that's an important tip as well is kind of uh, play with your palate a little bit before you go out there. Yeah, the bars, you know, the bars will, you know, I'll force down a bar in the morning if I have to, uh, but not a big bar fan. My jaw just gets tired, and I'm not excited about eating them. And, uh, it seems like a chore more than, more than, you know, in a, a, a moment to enjoy. So, uh, I like the, the idea about the ramen bombs and the, the protein packets. Um, yeah, the protein packets, easy, super yeah. easy. Yeah. And the, the shakes, uh, the breakfast shake, I, mm-hmm. I tried a couple of those in mineral King and the first one was good. And then the second one, I was like, ah, I don't know. I, I get tired of stuff, uh, right off the bat it's pretty quick. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Yeah. Those were, those were incorporated cinnamon roll for the next day and then switch over, you know, switch it off. Nice. Change it up, change it up. All right. Let's hear about, let's hear about what happened in Montana that uh, caused you to change the way you do things out there. I want to say it changed the, I, I think it just influenced me a little bit more. Okay. I, um, there was this lake that uh, my brother-in-law, um, his brother, uh, Jimmy took me out to, uh, it was, I think it was called Storm Lake in, in, in the Bitterroot Range in Montana. Um, real popular, it's mostly known for New, uh, Lewis and Clark expedition went through there. So that's what it's famous for, but it's, uh, the Bitterroot Range, uh, beautiful area. I think the elevation there at the start of the trailhead was about maybe close to 8,000, 8,500 feet. Um, uh, I started going up, but it's my first time, uh, doing a day hike. Um, a very steep day hike in bear country and not bear country like in the Sierras where I'm a big guy. So I'm not really afraid of bears here. Um, maybe a mountain lion, but not bears, but over there it's different. Uh, it's, it's a different type of bear and it's a big bear. And I was a little petrified hiking out there. Um, we didn't have uh, bear spray, uh, which was another thing that concerned me. And are we so talking, you- are we talking grizzlies? Yeah, we're talking grizzlies. Grizzlies, those are the yeah, big boys. Talking, yeah, okay. yeah. So grizzlies and moose, uh, yeah, big elk. Uh, so there's a lot of wildlife out there. But uh, as we ran into other people hiking out there, I felt a little more comfortable because it seemed like everybody out there had had a pretty big pistol. <laughs> so I was like, "Well, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick close to these people." <laughs> now, Pepe, yeah. Pepe, you don't have to be faster than the bear. 
You just need to be faster than the person you're hiking with. Oh, and that's what I, I did tell my friend, Jamie. I told him that. I said, hey, man, it, it may not work out too good for you. I might beat you down this hill. Yeah, you yeah. Su- sweep the leg and then you, then you run. That's right. There you go. Uh-huh. Uh, we, I think the pass that we were trying to get up to rose uh, from the bottom of the lake rose about maybe 2,500 feet. Uh, really no switchbacks out there. That's what I found a little interesting. There's maybe two or three switchbacks. And then it was like, felt like it was like a straight shot up the pass. Uh, I think it's called Storm Lake Pass. But when I got up to there, I started seeing these backpackers, like big backpacks, just looking grizzly and disheveled. And I'm like, what is, what are these guys about? These aren't your day hikers you see. And, and talking to one of them, like, where are you guys hiking in from? The guy's like, oh, I'm coming from Mexico. I'm like, you're coming from Mexico, Montana. What's going on? Oh, we're on, I'm on the CDT. You know, so there, I guess that area there where we're hiking is an area where a lot of them will come off the trail and go into, I think the town is called Anaconda, they do resupplies. Uh, so that's where uh, I, I kind of like, oh, I'm going to start looking into this. You know, mm-hmm. like, well, this is interesting, you know. And that's And living here in the Sierra, by the Sierras, you would think I hear more about the PC. Have you heard about John Muir all the time, but not really the the John Muir Trail. So you'd hear about John Muir, but it took me till I got out to Montana to run into some CDT hikers to actually like start like, wow, okay, what is this? You know, what are they doing? What's it through hiking? Now, now Pepe, I love, I love talking about these moments. I'm fascinated by this. When somebody learns that there is a trail that you can walk on continuously from Mexico to Canada, whether it be the PCT or the CDT. And I, I, I love to hear what, you know, what goes through your mind when you realize that this is actually a thing. So when, when you talk to those guys and you heard they're coming from Mexico do you remember what, what your, your thought process was there? Uh, I was confused for a couple of days. I had to go home and uh, I had to look this stuff up. Uh, it's like, what are these guys talking about? But I did believe them because they look pretty, uh, you know, like what hiker trash does. Pretty rough know? around the edges. Yeah. They, they look rough and, uh, but happy, you know, I, it's, it's funny when you, you run into a, a through hiker as disheveled as they might look and hiker trash. They're always smiling. They may look like they're, you know, don't look like they're having a great time, but they are. Yeah. That, that provides a little insight, right? Always have that smile. Yeah, I, ca- I call my attention. They're all pretty positive, happy, happy to talk to you. And, and uh, uh, but I think on the CDT, there wasn't a lot of people at the time. This is 2000, the 2000, God, maybe 2008. Oh, wow. 2009. Yeah. That this yeah. Happened. I would, I would guess that there weren't too many people on the CDT at that time. No, now it's a little more, but yeah, at that time it's, uh, and there's different routes now they take. I think that's the old route they were taking the stop, the old, old one, which now I think they have three different routes you can take through their, through Wyoming and other areas you can come out. But, um, yeah, that, that, that grabbed my attention. I started looking into it and learn out the, about the PCT and the JMT more. And I was like, what? It's my backyard. It's like trailhead's not even an hour and a half from my house. You know, it was, it's interesting. And so what is the longest mileage hike that you've done thus far? Uh, probably in like as a nonstop one, one, one continuous hike, probably 70 miles. Okay. Yeah. All right. Any aspiration to do the, the full JMT in, in one fell swoop? Oh, definitely. Um, next year, I might just finish it all. I might just come in at Cottonwood and uh, Cottonwood Lakes going northbound and just knock it out. But there's also buddies of mine that want to knock out the High Sierra Trail. Mm-hmm. So I'm maybe thinking being smart and knock out the High Sierra Trail and 
when I start at Collinwood Lakes and not have to do Mount Whitney, right? That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Going. You, you could say yeah. that you put, you put feet on every, every inch. If you, I, I uh, can, I've connected footpaths, right? That's yeah. right. That's right. So, so high Sierra trail, a little bit, a little bit shorter, about a third of the way of a uh, third of the length of the John Muir trail, but it does finish on top of Whitney. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about 70, 71 miles, I believe. And 72. Then, if you go to Whitney portal, uh, all the way, it's like 72 miles. Yeah. Okay. And then John Muir trail, of course, is 211 miles. Eleven, if it's uh, from Whitney as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But a lot of people, you know, if you come from Cottonwood, I think you're adding 28, adding, 27 miles. Maybe closer, sure. to, maybe closer to 40 from whatever. Oh, well, okay. yeah. All right. And so w- w- you come back from Montana, you have this uh, net new notion in your mind, this, this concept of, of backpacking, doing, doing multiple days out there. And what do you start planning? What, what, uh, what is your first multi-day trip out there? It all started with day hikes. So okay. nothing like a backcountry hiking and camping, taking your gear out there. It was pretty much day hiking. Yosemite's not far from here. Kings Canyon, Sequoia is all close by. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started with those just day hikes to maybe knock out 10, 12 mile days, uh, out and back. Um, but my first backpacking, like where it came to getting gear and going out there was the Ray Lake Sloop in 2012. Yeah. And that one, I think, is just over 40. Like a, like a hair over 40. I think it's a hair over 40. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people, there are many people out there who will argue to their death that the Ray Lake Sloop is the some of the, the most gorgeous country in the Sierras. Uh, do you hold that opinion? Definitely, because I did in 2012. And I did it with um, uh, two real experienced people where I got my trail name as well. And um, and there, I don't think there was many people on 2012 out that area. Now it's, yeah, it's pretty full, but uh, we ran into like three Boy Scout groups out there. That was in maybe a couple of other hikers, uh, backpackers, but uh, it was a beautiful experience. Okay. And any, any stories of adventure or misfortune out there in the Sierras? On that trip, just gear. Um, my backpack was from Costco. Uh, <laughs> it was like some high Sierra 48 liter backpack. Uh, I think I took a couple of canned goods. Uh, my socks were cotton, as you know. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we're, uh, yeah, just gear, but you learn, and, you know, that's what it's for. And I like that I, my, uh, my buddy and his dad didn't really get on me too much because they were, they were happy I was out there. And I think that's what's important. It doesn't matter what you bring. So it might be later on, but as long as you get out there and uh, you're doing something in nature is, is a good, but yeah, my gear was all wrong, I think. Yeah. And that's funny. I've heard from a number of people who have had some pretty poor experiences because of improper footwear or improper gear and just really struggling out there. Yet the, the power of being out in nature was enough to bring them back out and to, you know, tweak things and, and make some purchases and you know, get the right type of gear. So even, even with a, you know, a negative experience out there, there's something out there that still, you know, draws you in and makes you want to come back. Yeah. It's, it, I learned a lot. Um, but every time I go out there, I seem like to learn something, even from, uh, uh, I look at people's gear, talking to them, of course, uh, YouTube videos help out as well. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm a gear, I'm a little bit of a gearhead. So I'm, I'm, I got, it took me about three and a half years to get my gear where I have it now. Um, 
because I don't like to pay full price. So I kind of wait for those REI deals and the 20% discount and my dividends. So I make that work for me, but it, it took me what I have now, uh, definitely about three and a half years to get it all set up and be comfortable with it. Okay. And have you found any other sites besides REI garage sales that offer, you know, kind of discounted prices on, on gear, any used gear sites or uh, discounted uh, gear sites? I've gone on gear trade, not purchased anything there because I haven't found what I've wanted, but uh, I've gone on there. Um, there is, I forgot the name of that website, but uh, it's a cottage company website where they have a bunch of cottage uh, company gear, gear guys that sell on there. I forgot the name of them, but that's what I go on to, but mostly REI um, where I got my gear. Uh, but I definitely waited for the dividend and the 20% deals. There's where I've gone, but I've gone to another sites, but I haven't really purchased big items. My big four backpack tent, uh, uh, sleeping bag, um, pad was all, I think pretty much was on REI. I mean, like quilt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in that first trip out the, the Ray, the Ray lakes loop, what do you think your base weight was? Uh, I, of course the great thing about being my first trip, I wasn't all into the details. That's right. That's so right. I didn't know how horrible it was going to be. I didn't know elevation gain. I didn't know elevation loss. I didn't know altitude sickness. I didn't know any of this. So I think that was a good thing. Uh, that felt more, cause I think if I would have known these things or been expecting them, Oh, I got it. Oh, we got a 2,500 foot climb. Uh, that's going to be, you know, just thinking about that. It's just going to demoralize you. So um, that's one great thing about doing those trips uh, is not knowing, not filling your head, I guess. You don't want to fill your head with uh, the details because sometimes it's like it, it can be you're just concentrating on that, not concentrating on the on what's around you, the trail, not enjoying it. You're just concentrated on numbers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I did that to a certain ex- extent on this trail. I did go with a buddy, which asked a lot of questions a lot. Uh, and I would just tell them we're almost there. I would just say we're almost, I felt like Papa Smurf. Oh, we're almost there, you know, cause I, he wanted, Hey, what, how much are we going to gain right now? I'm like, I, I don't care. I'm not going to tell you if I, even if I knew I'm not going to tell you, cause I don't want to know the, the elevation gain anymore. Yeah. That's great. I and mean, that's, that's, that is a great question that I should probably include as a regular feature. Is it better to know or not to know? Yeah. I heard, um, uh, I'm afraid of the PCT was, but I remember he got asked that question. Um, I wish I remember his name, but he said that the best advice he gives people is don't over plan. Just do it. Um, you know, but just know where your exit points and where everything is, where you mm-hmm. need to reach, but don't overdo it when it comes to the small things. Uh, just go do it and resupply as you go. If you got it, uh, if you got to carry five days of food on the PCT, which a lot of them don't like to, they would like to carry two, three days of that, but carry your five days and not worry about having to mail stuff out, having to go to a post office, mm-hmm. find, oh, I, I got to get there before it closes. You don't have to worry about those things if you already got those things. Yeah. In, in terms of, you know, the longer the trail you do, the less you can plan, right? I mean, you, you, you can't plan every campsite on a 2,600 mile. Oh yeah. The, the only, the, it's going to go out the window after day two. You're, you're yeah. going to say, okay, I've got to adjust my plan. Oh yeah. Then weather and the Sierras, forget it. That's right. That's right. Even with the, with the JMT, I mean, we can plan, okay, we want to do, you know, 15 miles and we want to camp here. And you, you could plan that for the next, you know, for, for eight, 10, 12, 15 days. But even then, depending on what, what you run into, I mean, that, that can all change. And so you've got to be, you got to be flexible out there. Definitely. 
Okay. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear about some more of his adventures in the Sierras and also see what kind of hikes he's done in Utah. So stay tuned for more with Pepe. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. The John Freakin' Muirpod is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence inspiring education that empower outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident with. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor. Live ultra light. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. All in one place, for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your pod- podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. Talking to Jose Pepe Lapu Zambrano. And just heard a little bit about uh, some of his experience out in the Sierras. And I know you had a trip earlier this summer, and we were just talking about the fact that it's difficult to, to make your plans too much in cement and trying to adhere to those. Cause you got to adjust on the fly. And just from what you've teased earlier on in the episode, I have to imagine that you had to be flexible out there in your latest trip. Oh, for sure. And, um, I remember getting to Yosemite Valley to, to get my shuttle to Mammoth Lakes area. Um, and just seeing, uh, uh, the clouds in the area. And I just heard them like, okay, it's kind of cloudy here in Yosemite Valley. I'm going to go to the, you know, the wilderness ranger, center and go see what the weather's going to be like and they asked me where I was my trailhead was I let them know and she gave me a, a funny look like well you're going to get some some pretty crazy weather for the next four or five days out there where you're at because you're at high elevation so and that was so it was pretty much as because I looked at the weather prior to going up there and I didn't see anything 
but it's different when you're out there and um, there, she wasn't, she was not lying. It was uh, the mileage that we had forecasted for ourselves to do on, on a daily was not even 40 to 50%. Uh, so our, our mileage was down and we were, we were, we felt great going in there, but everything was totally different from day one. Uh, we predicted do, Oh, we'll knock out 10 miles. Then we got in seven next day, you know, same thing, seven miles, uh, uh, the weather just kept coming in every night. So tell us about the weather. I mean, what was it like? Uh, day one was just, uh, coming in to camp the first day. Uh, wasn't bad. The weather came in light rain. Um, I think our campsite was by, uh, by Rosalie Lake was our first, uh, first campsite coming out mm-hmm. of, uh, Red's Meadow, uh, passing through Red's Meadow. So, uh, made it there, but, uh, kind of early try to get down to maybe past shadow lake and keep going north but the weather socked in and it kept us in our tents from like two in the afternoon all the way till i think it led up till about eight so we stuck in the tent for that long it's not great and then same thing with the next day next day we predicted all right let's knock let's get up a little earlier today so we did get up about 4 30 got out of camp by by a little bit after five which is pretty good uh and i think we didn't make it past wow just right before Thousand Island Lakes, you got sucked in again when another storm uh, came in around the same time, 2 p.m., 1 p.m. And most people take little siestas around those times, uh, as we did, you know, and wait, try to wait it out. These it just kept coming. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a couple a couple questions about that particular path. What do you think of, um, I mean, coming, leaving Reds, you're pretty much going straight uphill for, for quite a while. Yeah, until you, you get to Rosalie Lake. That's right. Or, yeah, and then you kind of flatten out there, and you then you start heading down to Shadow Lake. What'd you yeah, think? It's a hard, you, it's a hard drop. Well, yeah, I was gonna say, what'd you think of that climb, and then what'd you think of the switchbacks down? Because I remember that, that was just kind of torturous on the knees. Yeah, the uh, people always comment about like, oh, you know, uh, going up. I hate it. I'm like, I hate going down. I hate going down. That's my big guy. So, um, going down is rough on you. And it, it, like I tell people, it just works out different parts of your body than you do going up, going up is, as you know, I think it's just Stairmaster, just cardio, but going down you're working your core quads, glutes, everything. You know, you're working, you're working a lot of muscles. Yeah. And when yeah. we're out on the trail, we talk about, um, how the, the, uh, we don't talk about this on the trail, but it's been said that there are, I don't know, 127 different words for snow by the the inuit the native alaskans mm-hmm. right because they're they're immersed in it and they've got you know all kinds of different terms for different types of snow and so when we're out on the trail you know we've developed like nine different uh rankings for for trail and um severe downhill is the worst that is the yeah. worst it, it's I, i'd rather be going i think number one for me is a slight uphill followed by a flat and then slight downhill and then it, it, then just kind of goes in different variations of that, but severe downhill is the worst for you. Yeah. Going, uh, even coming out of reds. Yeah, it is. I think you climb, I think you can almost climb 20, I'm not sure if it's 26 or 2800 feet coming out of reds just to that notch right above Rosalie. And I take that any day over that drop and that drop, we finished it pretty much in 35, 40 minutes, but you, you gotta, you gotta rest when you get down there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you take a pounding. What do you think of Shadow Lake? I mean, that's a beautiful area there. It was beautiful, uh, but uh, late and late uh, that time that we went, mosquitoes were bad. So even when we can't really enjoy too well, so just filtering water there at the at the bridge there, 
um, and uh, going going by Adiza, uh, the cutoff there with Adiza Lake. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's mosquitoes everywhere. But we're pretty prepared. But just they're just bothersome. Yeah, and going back to the question is it, of is it better to know or not to know? The first time we did that section of the trail, it seemed like there were six, seven false tops where I thought we were going to get to uh, the pass to to Garnet Lake. And I was, I I was just, you know, cursing under my breath and really frustrated because I thought, you know, we should be there by now. And what, you know, the, 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 the end of the slope is just ahead of us. I can see, I can see where it flattens out and we get to there and there'd be more slope beyond that. And so are are you talking about leaving shadow going, going up to Garnet? Yes. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. That when you make that right turn, uh, where that, where the intersection is to Diesel Lake, I don't think, I think people need to know that's a, that wasn't an easy section that, no. that, that climbed pretty good. And like I said, there were some fall summits on there. Yes. Yeah. I, you kind of said, I, I was pretty upset. I was letting my buddy know <laughs> I was do what is going on. We should be there already. I, and I don't like to look at my, my phone. Cause I do have the GPS, but like I said, I'd rather not know, yeah. but I was felt like I was beating. I was, someone was tricking us, it, but it was, um, it's, it was a slog. Yeah. When I did, when I did it a second time with my son, I I knew what to expect and I was a lot less frustrated. So it was was good in that respect. That section you're talking, that's funny, that section you're talking about, because we ran into a PCT or named balloons, um, right at Thousand Island Lakes the next day. And and I was saying, what's been the toughest for you so far? And, um, uh, he said he hated coming out of that area there, but also because of the storms, I guess Mm -hmm. he got caught in a thunderstorm and, uh, you know, a lot of PCTers, they kind of go, they hike through the, the storms at as well but you saying that was a rough area of the gain and then also i guess you got caught in the you got caught in the storm that night mm-hmm. yeah or that afternoon right now you had four or five days of of uh rain five days hail of, yeah the the last the day before the last was july 1st that was the worst one going over donahue that mm-hmm. was uh um where we had camped the night before was uh uh just uh right at the the edge of the outlet of a thousand island lakes mm-hmm. and uh we started early that day too because we already had heard just everybody saying that was gonna be a bad storm uh try to beat it um so we already knew we, we got an early start uh, my friend liked stopping a lot and uh, taking pictures and uh i'm like hey i kind of encourage it. hey we got to get going we got hey if you need to take a break take a break but also eat he was stopping uh, i'm not gonna lie to you it seemed like every couple hundred feet and hey you take some water uh and then you stop again then you eat uh so it was like it wasn't productive but it wasn't as efficient as i would say so that that held us back but we got um going up that climb going north to donahue we i saw the clouds building and then you definitely see you hear them so i knew it was gonna be bad i knew we weren't gonna make it but um something just tells you just try to get over to the side and it's, it's kind of dumb because we weren't, when it came to our time frame, we were, we were doing good. We weren't going to be late for anything. Uh, mm-hmm. I think my buddy had a commitment somewhere, but uh, I was saying, Hey, you know, uh, we can probably camp here or try to go down a couple hundred feet to some tree line. And cause it were, where we're at, at that point, we're maybe not even a thousand feet from, from Donahue, but there's no trees. Uh, so, but we kept going. And how was it up at the pass in, in those conditions? Uh, getting up to the pass was uh, was uh, it was a story. Uh, there was like only five of us, myself, uh, my good friend Marcos, and uh, three PCTers. 
uh, an older lady and uh, a young couple. And it was funny because we were all motivating each other. Um, the pieces here seemed really, really relaxed. We were a little scared because it's thunder. And then we have these carbon uh, carbon poles that I like using when I climb, but I had to put them away. So I definitely had to put those carbon poles away, trekking poles. And uh, so that made it a little rougher, but they were motivating us to get up there. They're, you know, we're all trying to motivate each other, but we got to the top, a little bit of sprinkles, but couldn't really enjoy it. I think we we're at the top for only about, honestly, 30 seconds. And hey, let's start going down, put on, I have a rain, my buddy didn't have a rain jacket. So he put on his, uh, his down jacket, hooded down jacket. And I just put on, I have a rain shell, which isn't a rain jacket. It's just a rain shit wind shell. So it's just more of a, a light rain that it would uh, work on uh, at best. But as soon as we started coming over the pass, a couple hundred feet down, as we approached the first outlet, the lake there, Donahue, it wasn't even the rain started coming out. It just started hailing. So it wasn't even like, like it was like a curtain of hail. And it just started coming down. And within about not even 30 seconds, I was, my jacket had wetted through already. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and the temperature dropped and uh, uh, we crossed it running, which was interesting because most people would cross these, these little um, outlets on the rocks, taking the time. I, I did not. I said, if I fall, I fall. You know, I'm six five, so and my buddy's six four. So we were just we were just like giraffes jumping through the water, running to the side. We saw a cliff base that was trying to give us some um uh some protection, uh the wind, everything. Not really a lot of rain. It was mostly just quarter size hail. Wow. Wind and lightning was just the lightning was very scary. The lightning, I've never been in a lightning storm like that. And you always hear about the those lightning storms in the Sierras. And but we're in a, a quarry where there's just granite all around us. And that just made it even more. Um, yeah, I could feel my the hair on the back of my neck was up and it wasn't good. Yeah, it, it was pretty bad. And we're just getting drenched. And uh, I just looked for the first cliff, try to lean up against. And uh, my buddy was a couple 30, 40 feet in front of me, try to. Uh, those PC tiers that we were talking to, the couple, they had uh, one of those sun umbrellas. Uh, and they're trying to use that as cover. And it was barely, it wasn't working out for them. So they were all huddled up there. And so we just, I was sitting there thinking, oh, this will pass. It's okay. It'll pass. And uh, this went on for about, I think, a little over 10 minutes later, it was still going. And the thunder was still there. And I was like, okay, I'm starting to feel a little cold. And um uh, I got out of there and I ran up to my buddy, which he uses rain fly as a cover. Now I see him under there and I said, Hey, meet me at that tree. We got to decide what we got to do here. I mean, we can't stay here. We got to, we got to figure this out. So he comes up running and say, Hey, what do you want to do? Should we just set her? There's nowhere to set up a tent. There's no tree line. It's just granite everywhere. And thunders, nothing to stop. It's still the same. Um, so I told him, Hey, if we stay here and, and, and not move, we're just going to get cold. And so we got to, we got to keep moving. We got to move and move fast. And by this time, the trail was probably about four or five inches thick of ice of just, you know, and pretty much little streams, rivers going through the trail now. And I was like, we need to go now. And we just started running down the trail. Yeah. Uh, from, uh, from about 11,040 feet, whatever it was all the way down to, uh, the first crossing right before tree line. So what we estimated was about a mile, a little bit over a mile, mile, mile point two, ran down the mountain, just passing up PC tiers as 
a couple of them are just screaming, oh my God, oh my God. And we just running full speed. I said, if I turn an ankle, I don't care if I'm going. It, it was bad. And and my buddy's saying, praying. I'm just saying, oh, I got to pay tuition. I got to make it back. That was my motivating factor. So uh, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. And it's funny because you do some self-reflecting like, wow, I think I saw this on, I shouldn't be alive. Those TV shows, like now I'm actually in it. And, uh, but uh, I kept telling myself, Hey, just keep moving. You'll be fine. You know? Right. Wow. So that, that all took place pretty high up on Donahue and you ran down. Yeah. The other side. When you're coming down Donahue, um, that first uh, stream crossing you get to, there's where it came down on us. So we probably are only dropped maybe 150 feet. Um, uh, it's a first little outlet. And then uh, there's two outlets, I think, but it's a first one coming down Donnie, if you're going northbound. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there's no trees anywhere. Uh, my buddy's like, let's set up our tents. I mean, there's, for one thing, we had no tree line and we set up out there, all our stuff's going to get wet as we, as we start pulling out of our backpack. So I said, we need to find tree line. So keep going till there's tree line. And, and we did. And um but that's just where the fun started. By that time we got to somewhere there was tree line. Um, we're shivering and we were wetted out. We were, we were completely soaked. Temperature wasn't really uh, super cold. I think when he looked at his watch, I think it said 38 degrees, um, but we were soaked and we started shivering already. So, it was, so we knew we had to do, you know, we had to take our clothes off. So we we're pretty much uh, sitting up our tents naked, both of us uh with uh, you know and under a tree which is good so we have some tree line and also here's where my here's where my foam pad came into play so my, we put some dry stuff on the bottom there and i put my foam pad above it so whatever sprinkles and hail was coming down so was it so it was acting as a protection as well so that that foam pad worked out great even just stepping we weren't stepping on snow we were stepping on i mean on hail we were stepping on the foam pad so our feet weren't taking a beating either so we threw all our dry stuff in the tents uh I made sure my buddy got in the tent first and got clothes on first before I went in. <laughs> so that was a, that was a must. He's all get in here. I'm like, no, get your clothes on first and then I'll go in. Yeah. Things you, you probably didn't think were going to happen when you were planning the trip is the, the two of you setting up a tent naked in a hailstorm. Oh yeah. It was funny. As I, as we're, I'm looking back. There's some piece of tears behind, like going, we're only like 20 feet off the trail. Yeah, but they didn't even notice us. They're, they're focused. We could hear them yelling and cussing and screaming because it was not letting up. And they're just trying to, and they're, as you know, PCTers are, they're not wearing anything. You know, they're lightly dressed, you know, uh, ponchos at best that they had. Yeah. So, but it was, it, it was funny. They didn't even, they didn't even look, they didn't even look at us at all. Crazy. Now, did, did you guys exit at uh, Tuolumne? Uh, we exited at Tuolumne, uh, and that might have been the first dry next. We've done uh, – we didn't exit Happy Isles because I've done that – we've done that section before. Mm-hmm. But last year, the year before last, I tried to – I was trying to do that section and maybe get to Red's Meadow the year before last, but because of uh, – I started it, but I wasn't aware that the Tuolumne uh, Meadows store was closed for the season because of, of COVID. So I found this out on the trails I got there. Uh, so that kind of eliminated that. So I got to Tuolumne Meadows last year, the year before last, and had to exit out Tuolumne. Mm-hmm. But I did that section from Happy Isles to Tuolumne. Okay, so, Tuolumne. Now, so now you need yeah. to do Reds, Reds down to Mount Whitney. 
Res down to Mount Winnie. So that's what I'm thinking next year. Uh, well, I'll, I'll try to knock that section out uh, mm-hmm. and exit at uh, at Reds, which should be a good exit, I think. There's a lot. Okay. There's a lot of good stuff to do in Mammoth. Okay, so I'm going to shorten my my usual top five list to a top three list because you've only done a portion of the the JMT. What are your What are your top three moments on the JMT so far, Pepe? Top three moments. Um, I can look back and say that was a horrible experience with what happened on that July 1st um, on that storm, but that was an amazing experience. See, that's, type, that's type two fun right there. That's type two fun. Enjoying the suck, as people say. Uh-huh. Um, I took a day or two after, uh, but yeah, definitely uh, enjoyed that. That's my best life experience. I can tell you that. Okay. Um, another thing was being, uh, I can't forget his, I can't forget his name, but I think, I don't know if I sent you that video, but of uh, the very next day leaving our campsite, um, ran into a JMT going northbound. Uh, and he was telling us about his getting struck by lightning experience. So on the same day, he was camped about maybe, I think, half a mile down from us. He was coming from Tuolumne. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was telling us how a, a lightning struck a tree 50 feet away from him. And uh, he, uh, he lost feeling in his, in his limbs and didn't know where he was at for about an hour. That is scary stuff. Yeah, so that's, an, that's another story. And uh, I think that experience on the Ray Lakes Loop, that uh, I think uh, that 20-mile section from Woods Creek to – to Vendette Meadow, that section of the JMT was, as you say, that that is a beautiful area. Uh, that is one of the most beautiful areas I've ever seen that we camped across from Findome. I don't know if you know Findome and Absolutely. we camped across from Findome and it was hard because there was a lot of people there, but uh, that's only the bad thing, but it was beautiful. It was, it was, it was a beautiful, uh, that Findome area. I think that's a second, uh, that's a second lake on the Ray Lakes. I think there was dollar, then it's, Another lake, I forgot the name of that one. Then Air, Arrowhead. One. Yeah. 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 Dollar yeah. Arrowhead. And then you get to the first Ray Lake. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking number one would be that uh, what just happened in July to me and mm-hmm. talking to that uh, JMT guy. Uh, I, I forgot his name, but just him. We pretty much interviewed him. It was uh, it was amazing. His story. And uh, and then that that section of uh, of the Ray Lakes is only 20 miles, but as as beautiful area, mm-hmm. beautiful okay. area. Agreed. Agreed. I, uh, I am particularly fond of Arrowhead Lake. I think, I think it is just absolutely gorgeous. I know it kind of gets overshadowed in conversations when people talk about the Ray Lakes. I don't hear a lot mentioned about Arrowhead Lake, but that is a really beautiful lake. Yeah. All those lakes, but Arrowhead Lake. And, uh, what was good about even Arrowhead, I mean, you get a good view of Finn Dome, I think through all those three lakes, even mm-hmm. Dollar Lake, which is the furthest North of there, you can still catch a glimpse of a Finn Dome, but just how I think it was just a sunset. We got one of those nice uh, purple sunsets, and uh, you know, uh, so that was, that's what made it beautiful there. Man, it's, it's an amazing area. Yeah, you can't beat those sunsets. You can't beat the the view of the stars and the Milky Way out there when when you don't have uh, hail raining on you. So yeah, I think that's why I enjoyed it more because the nights were they were beautiful. Yeah. All right, those are good. Those are three good moments. Thank you for sharing those. Uh, anything else from the Sierras or should we move on to Utah? Yeah, we can go to Utah. Okay. So what, tell us about your experiences in Utah. Utah, as I told you before, um, I don't have all the time in the world. So I got a, I really, I plan really well on taking time off, uh, and see what trails we can knock out in a limited amount of time. So 
we've done a lot of people do the narrows in uh in um in zion mm-hmm. uh but we did the the one that most people don't do which is the the, the part of the narrows where you start in the top you get dropped off on a shuttle bus uh i think it's called a chamberlain uh ranch trailhead zion adventure company will take you out there it's a good mile it's a good hour and a half drive so you're actually hiking down 18 19 miles from the top of this private ranch to the backside of it which is beautiful because you're coming out in horse uh, cow pastures into the slot canyons so it's, it's an amazing experience but uh we did that uh, from top to bottom uh which was amazing There's not a lot of people do it maybe now they do because i was at least maybe four or five years ago now mm-hmm. um and i didn't know this but there are campsites along the way in, in which are just butted up against the the river there the virgin river uh but it's almost like the same regulations mount whitney has if you're in the whitney zone you have to take those uh wag bags yes so you have to take those wag bags so that kind of like nobody really wanted to do that we're like oh we'll knock it out and we'll knock it out in in four or five hours no that was a that was a 10 11 hour day yeah wow but yeah narrows narrows top to bottom is amazing but if i were to do it again i would definitely try to reserve it i think there's only eight campsites but they are beautiful campsites Mm -hmm. beautiful yeah i'm gonna give you a recommendation for when you do the full jmt because we're talking about spectacular campsites or nice campsites I've camped here twice and thought it was just absolutely spectacular. It's a campsite at 13,400 feet, just below the, the, uh, the Whitney trail sign. So when you go up uh, from guitar Lake, uh, you have to bring all your water with you. Cause there's, there's no water yeah. up there. So you gotta, you gotta carry uh, for a dry camp up there, but you go up the switchbacks and you head towards the sign. And before you get to the sign where it says 1.9 miles to, to Mount Whitney, just mm-hmm. below that sign, um, are is a camp campsites for about maybe eight or 12 uh, tents or some flat areas, some, some stone walls built up a little bit. And, you know, I've had people tell me on Facebook, well, you're not supposed to camp there, but I've had Rangers tell me, you know, that that's perfectly fine to camp up there. So yeah, uh, the, the night sky and the view of Hitchcock lakes and Mount Hitchcock and guitar Lake, just completely Epic. So there's a, a camp that's, that's like consider. the, that's like the first switchback below tr- the trail crest sign, right? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. I think I've seen uh, people post pictures of that. The, the sunsets are, those are epic sunsets right there. Yeah. Yeah. And we, the two times I've, I've camped there, we've done sunset summits of Mount Whitney, not, not as the sun was going down completely. Cause you have to, you have to go back the 1.9 miles yeah. to your, to your tents, but uh, being up there late, late in the afternoon, there is nobody else up there. Yeah. And uh, views forever, man. It is just gorgeous. Some people say with the sunsets and the, and the, and the color of the sky, those might be better than sunrises. Yeah. yeah. Not, not as cold either. Yeah. There you go. You don't have to get up at one 30 in the morning or two 30 and go up. That's right. Hey, also in Zion, did you do angels? Is it angels landing? Did angels landing as a day hike. Uh-huh. Um, but it, I didn't feel that it was, um, I can say like I've done half dome. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think half dome was a little more, uh, I don't know. I felt half dome was a little scarier, I think, but half, dome, landing, is, half dome is treacherous, man. That was, that was talk about, uh, is it better to know or not to know, uh, yeah. chopper and his son did half dome the summer before. And so we, we had gotten a permit through, through a buddy and, uh, I asked chopper, I said, so what do I need to know? He goes, Oh, you know, you should bring some gloves for the cables. I said, okay. So, so we brought gloves, but he didn't say anything else. 
And I don't, yeah. I don't know. I didn't do a whole lot of reading on it or anything. I knew that there were cables and, and there was supposed yeah. to be like a, a 45 degree uh, angle ascent up those cables. It is not 45 degrees. There are, there no. are sections of those cables where it feels like it's 70 degrees. Yeah. It, it was just absolutely crazy. And it's not all, it's not all legs as you know, it's uh, I think it's more upper body than anything else. Uh, legs are just your anchors. Um, and it, I think it's, it's majority upper body strength. Yeah. And I don't know about when you did it, but we had people going up, people going down at the same time. Uh, there's nobody. Were you in the lottery? What's that? Were you, you go to the lottery? Were you in the lottery when you did it? No, it was, uh, my, my buddy, buddy, his trail name was buddy. He had a, he had a permit. And okay. so uh, he and I in jukebox went and did it in a, a day hike, you know, eight miles out and eight miles back. Yeah. And, but when we got to the sub dome, there was a ranger checking permits, but he didn't offer any advice. You know, he's okay. Yeah. Check the permit and say, go ahead. And you get there and there are people going up, people coming down. Uh, it was just, it seemed like, you know, just a lot of chaos and all it takes is one bad bump from somebody and yeah. you're done. Yeah. And, you're, and you hear it every year or something, someone something happens up there every year it happens and uh uh i'll never forget that one year i think it seemed like i don't know if it was 2012 or 14 where it seemed like i think eight people lost their lives up there but that's before the the permit system when people were walking on the outside of the cables mm. you know there's people hanging on the outside on the inside on both sides so it was i think that's when that was going on that's the reason they kind of started the permitting system there craziness craziness yeah any other any other uh, national parks in Utah or other spots in Utah? Uh, I I'll tell you this hike that we did. Uh, it's called the West Rim Trail. I think it's a twenty mile trail uh, in Zion, but it's not really frequented a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of the Zion Trans Zion Traverse. I think uh, which takes you from the Cedar City area all the way finishes at um, oh my god, what is that? I think it's Highway Two. Uh, the road that takes you to Kanab, Utah. So I think that's a total of maybe 60 some miles, but we did the 20 mile section, which is from Lava Point to Angels Landing and down to the grotto. Um, that's my first experience with, um, with, uh, heat exhaustion. Mm. Yeah. So I underestimated the, uh, the clothes and the high altitude plateaus of, uh, of Zion and uh, no trees and, and of course, not eating properly and hydrating properly the night before with the drive. And yeah, but a beautiful area. Uh, yeah. And have you have you heard of the Hey Duke Trail? I have heard of the Hey Duke Trail, but I don't think I would ever do that one. That that's kind of crazy too, right? I don't think it. Most people talk about it as I don't know if they're happy they did it or they're just happy they survived it. I think the latter. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Did you happen to listen to the episode with ginger balls and type four fun? I didn't, uh, but I, I need to catch. I think I tried, I think I caught a couple minutes of it, but uh, I, I did watch on Amazon prime. I think there is a documentary on the Hey Duke trail. Some guys did it like maybe four years ago. Yeah. Figuring it out on the Hey Duke trail. I think it's called. Yeah, And I just, it just looked not, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I had G- ginger balls is a triple crowner. He's done all three long trails in the, in the U S and he was a guest during season one of the podcast. He came back last season, season two, and uh, talked about his experience on the Hayduk Trail. And he was yeah. just fresh off the Hayduk Trail. I was talking to him maybe a week after he'd gotten off the trail. And it is a trail that, that uh, goes through all five national parks in Utah and ends up um, down by the Grand Canyon in Arizona. 
And it's, it's, there is not a well-marked, well-defined, you know, signposts everywhere. Hey, this is the Hayduke trail. In fact, I don't think there's a single signpost saying that you're on the Hayduke trail. The only time, you know, you're on the path is when you're in the national parks, but there's a lot of wayfinding and can't going Canyon Canyon. Canyoneering. Yeah. Canyoneering. You have to go down into canyons and come back up out of canyons. And he, he had a couple of moments that he described that are just unreal. So you're right. I, I think people are, when they talk about the Hey Duke, having done the Hey Duke, I think they're excited that they, they survived. I don't think, I don't think you'll find a novice on that trail. You got to find a triple crowner or somebody that's uh, knows you find a first time through hiker on there. It's wow. I don't know. Yeah. Madness. All right. Hey, what is, what's next for Pepe? What do you have planned for the future? So definitely uh, maybe try to knock something out before the end of the year. Uh, it also depends on how fast our winter comes this year. If it's a, if it's going to be a slow winter again, where we're not getting any, any precipitation. Uh, I'm definitely thinking of maybe knocking out a, knocking something on the Sierras, if not a, an early October high Sierra trail. Uh, so I can lessen what I need to do next year for the JMT. Uh, thinking of that, that's, that's definitely on my uh, radar and, uh, something in March of next year, it's either going to be, uh, Peru or something in Patagonia. If it's in Patagonia, it's going to be the, the O circuit. Uh, and in Peru, yeah. And in Peru, we're looking at, uh, of course, uh, de Machu Picchu, but an alternative route, which there's two, I think that I'm looking at, which is. Uh, the Salcante trek, and then there's another one called the Lares trek, which both lead you in the end to uh, Machu Picchu. But uh, it's a it's not like the um, the the more uh, um, populated trails that they have in mm-hmm. Machu Picchu, so it's less traveled. Right now, I was talking to the Bruff family, who uh, Jennifer and Brandon Bruff did the Inca Trail in Peru. Yeah, and uh, it was totally portered. They had Sherpas, who and the way they described it, they carried you know the bruffs carried nothing, and you know, yeah, the, the Sherpas would load these 50, 60, 70, I don't know, eighty pound packs, and would run up ahead of them for for miles and set up these huge tents for that you know they could break for lunch and have a have a a, a, a hot lunch, and then they. They would pack it all up and get on the trail again and run, run you know, to where they were going to camp for, for the evening. But uh, quite a different experience from the traditional uh, through hike with, you know, you carrying everything on your back. I think you could still do it. They offer where you can still get a guide and you can still take your gear. Uh, but then also, too, they really push talking to some of the those guys out there, uh, emailing them. They kind of they'll do that for you. They'll just give you a guide. You can take all your gear, but they really push. Um, um I guess, providing jobs for the locals, indigenous people there, mm-hmm. uh, which that does with the porters and the Sherpas and, and all that, which, which helps out the, the indigenous communities there where I can see uh, myself, I would feel pretty bad having someone carry all my gear. I would be, I, I would not feel great about that, but then also too, when they tell you where the money goes, a lot of the money is going back to the trail. It's going back to taking care of the communities and the schools and the area there. So the more you give back to, I guess those services, it's going back to their communities. So, uh, so if you can go out, I've seen guys who will go out there with no guides and just do it on by themselves and take their own four season tents. I've seen Mm -hmm. videos like that. 
Yeah, but if you use, if like you said, if you use the porters, porters and the 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 sherpas, I mean, you could feel good about giving to the community, and you can feel good because you're not carrying all that stuff. Yeah, that's what we have to look it's at. A win win. Yeah, it's a win win, and it's like I might still carry my my uh, certain things, but uh, I'll definitely have them set up a tent for me. Nice. Yeah. Well, that sounds very exciting. Hope I hope you have a fantastic experience either in Peru or in Patagonia. You have to come back and tell us about it. I definitely will. Okay, for sure. Hey, Pepe, you know where we are? Uh, is this a gear segment? Not the gear segment, but this oh, is, is the pro tip insight of oh, the week. This is where you is. get to share with our listeners some, some little tip or secret that's going to make their next outdoor adventure even better. What do you have for us? Um, it was a pretty easy one for me uh, hearing you talk about it with other guests, but it's me. It's a don't do it by yourself. Bring someone with you. Enjoy it together it makes it that much better because mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the guy I brought with me, I uh, looking back, if I would have done this by myself, I would have made it through, but I'm so glad I had someone to enjoy it with and someone that's my best friend. And uh, I think that's what I would, my gear tip would be is uh, pro tip of the day would be just incorporate somebody in your adventure. Uh, I think it'd be uh, more memorable. That's right. You get to talk about it with somebody, you get to reminisce, Oh yeah. I, I know when I come back and I try and show videos or pictures, my, my friends and family are like, yeah, that's nice. That's nice. I'm like, no, it's not nice. It's fantastic. Yeah, can you imagine, can you imagine if I had this story that I just told you and, and people would be, and I went by myself, no one would believe me. No, that's right. You have a witness. I have a witness. I definitely have a witness. He was there and I'm glad I, he came along. Fantastic. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Pepe. I want to thank him for joining us this week. Pepe, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Uh, pretty much my IG. So where is Chepe? Uh, that's my handle. And you could find... Uh, Wait a what second. Chepe? I thought it was Pepe. It is Pepe, but someone took Pepe. So I had to use Chepe. Chepe is another surname, believe it or not, of, of Pepe. So okay. So I've Chepe, Pepe, same. Jose's use them all the time. So you got to be flexible. Got to be flexible. So okay. where is Chepe? Those, that's my handle. And I'll post stuff on there. Okay. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakingmirror at gmail.com. Pepe, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, a documentary, some kind of adventure media to keep our listeners connected to uh, outside adventures. What do you have for us? The last season. Yes. Did you listen to that episode? I listened to that episode. Yeah, Eric Blen, the author of, of the last season, that was he was fantastic to talk to, and that is a great, great story. There's a, a funny story about that. Uh, Costco, one of our pharmacists that's now retired, was a trail maintenance worker during that time of when that was going on, and he knew I was in a backpacking, and he told me about this story like eight, nine years ago, mm-hmm. uh, the Bench Lake area of, uh, of the JMT, and I was like, what? And that's when those documentaries and shows are coming out about it. So he told me about it before all this started. And uh, I was like, wow, it was, it was amazing. He knew the guy, uh, but he was just telling me about the story. Yeah. yeah. For our listeners out there who may not have listened to that episode or may not be familiar, last season is a story of Randy Morganson, who was a backcountry ranger for almost 30 years, assisted on many uh, search and rescues. And then he himself went missing one summer. And so it's a story of... Uh, it's a story. It's his story, kind of a lot of background of, about him growing up and how he became a ranger and his experience as a ranger, but it also the story of, of when he disappeared and what, 
what eventually happened and we won't we won't give it away you'll have to either tune in well even if you listen to the episode the author doesn't give it away so you have to buy the book the last season give it a read it is a really really well-written book a lot of fun all right and before we wrap things up i've got one more segment for you called what have i not asked you that you're dying to tell me about i don't want to leave anything on the table here uh i hear you guys talking about shoes all the time footwear Mm. so this is the first time i wore hokas okay and i think that's a a great shoe i'm an ultra guy so i have wide feet Mm -hmm. and um uh but i have these temps i've been breaking in much prior to this last backpacking trip and they just weren't doing it for me and i had these hokas that i bought on the rei used website because it was a great deal they had them in my size i think i got them for 40 dollars and i never really wore them and I put them on the day prior to my hike. It felt great. I no blisters, nothing. It is a feet game changer. Feet, feet were not even sore. Yes. My feet were not. I was expecting to have a really rough time, especially the shoes were broken in because they were used. And I wore them a couple of times, maybe twice, mm-hmm. um, but not really broken in for my size of foot and amazing shoe. I never I didn't feel no roots. Uh, no, nothing jabbing into my feet. Uh, so light and dried out quick overnight, mm-hmm. even in the rain. Yep. Uh, th- there's a raging debate out, out there about, you know, boots or trail runners and fine. Let that, let that debate rage on. But I will just say that, you know, I made the change from boots where I was tending to my feet after three days and popping blisters and wrapping them up and, you know, thinking about every single footfall for the next, you know, six, seven days, and then I switched to trail runners and didn't think about my feet once, didn't have a single problem. And it has been just a world of difference. It's amazing oh. on what you can focus on when you don't have to worry about your feet hurting with every step. Oh yeah. And I was, I totally forgot about my feet. Um, cause I was nervous cause a shoe I haven't really broken in and amazing shoe. Yeah. It was a great shoe. My feet weren't sore cause my ultras, I could get through them, but my feet were a little sore at times, no blisters, but they'd be sore, but I was not even sore with these with these uh, shoes. Great shoe. Okay. That's a wrap from the John freaking mirror studio. Any shout outs to friends and family Pepe? Uh, it's my daughter, Nadia just moved her into her dorm at Cal state Monterey Bay. Yep. So hopefully that we don't get shut down. Hopefully she enjoys the school this year. So, uh, and my buddy Marcos, uh, he's my trail partner. Uh, he's the one that enjoyed this experience with me and, uh, this last hike and, uh, wouldn't done it with anybody else. He's a guy I could count on. Okay. Does he, have a, does he have a trail name? Is he, is he naked Sasquatch or. I, we, we call him trail leg as a nickname. That might be his, uh, cause he ran hurdles in high school, a really good hurdler. So we call him trail leg. So that's what we go by. That's his handle on Instagram as well. Okay. Nice. I'll have to follow him. Yeah. He's a good guy. Okay. Well, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. Doesn't care if you want to go downhill. Doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you have to strip naked in a hailstorm and set up your tent. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. Sir. Life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, 
thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, Wow, what a ride. Hunter S. Thompson. So I told him, hey, if we stay here and, and, and not move, we're just going to get cold. And so we got we to gotta keep moving. We got to move and move fast. And by this time, the trail was probably about four or five inches thick of ice of just, you know, and pretty much little streams, rivers going through the trail now. And I was like, we need to go now. And we just started running down the trail. Yeah. Uh, from, uh, from about 11,040 feet, whatever it was all the way down to, uh, the first crossing right before tree line. So what we estimated was about a mile, a little bit over a mile, mile, mile point two ran down the mountain, just passing up PC tears as a couple of them are just screaming, Oh my God, Oh my God. And we just running full speed. I said, if I turn an ankle, I don't care. I'm going, it, it was bad. And, and my buddy's saying, praying, I'm just saying, Oh, I got to pay tuition. I got to make it back. That was my motivating factor. So, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was crazy. I'm doc. And this is the John freaking Muir pod.